Welcome to this exciting sermon from World Impact Community Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more sermons and resources, please do visit us at wscc.in. Praise the Lord. We have been looking over the last few weeks at Hebrews in chapter 2 and verse 3. By now you would probably know that scripture by heart. How then shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Can I have the screen please? So we've been looking at this verse and over the last couple of weeks uh, we saw, we talked about Uh, neglecting this great salvation, that neglecting this awesome salvation was an outright uh, insult to the finished work of the cross. When, When God has done something so wonderful for us, and when we neglect it, we don't pay attention to it, we are despising God himself. We saw that over the last weeks. We also saw, last week, we saw how unfaithfulness and negligence to our faith comes into our life. Negligence comes in. We neglect our faith through unbelief by not really believing what God has done for us. Uh, After some time, uh, we neglect through disobedience or through sin or a hardened heart. Our heart can get so hardened that we hear the same thing again and again and again. And and the warmth of that, of the joy of knowing God is not there anymore. And sometimes we neglect our salvation just by immaturity. We've just not matured. And so we saw this last week. And I want to start this evening by taking it a little further. But the Bible says in Hebrews and chapter 3, the Bible talks about how God does not want us to continue in unfaithfulness. He says, consider Jesus. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1 to 6, the Bible says, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider Jesus Christ, the apostle and high priest of our confession. He was faithful to the one who appointed him. Everybody say after me, faithful. faithful. Come on, let me hear you guys. Faithful. faithful. Jesus was faithful to the one who appointed him. You know, the Bible was saying that there was an excitement about the fact that we're just not saved in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. There was an excitement of being saved. And there was an excitement of being having to be faithful to the Father, to the one who appointed him. Many of you have got jobs at different places. And I've had many people who come and tell me, Pastor, uh, you know, I got an offer letter. And when you get an offer letter, you look at the numbers basically. And then, you know, the numbers match up. And after that, when you accept the offer, you say, okay, I got my appointment letter. And people are so excited about their appointment letter. And they say, oh, finally, I got a job. I've been praying about this. I've been looking forward to this. But the Bible says over here, if we have been so excited about an appointment letter from an earthly company, how much more should we be excited about an appointment from the King of Glory? Hallelujah. We, we are, we, the Bible says, Jesus was appointed by the Father. And he has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses by just so much as the builder of the house is more honor. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful as in his house as a servant for a testimony of those that have been spoken later. But Christ was faithful as a son. The Bible introduces in this portion of scripture that Christ was faithful as a son over God's house. It says Moses was faithful in God's house. Christ was faithful over God's house. Why? Because Moses was a servant and Christ was the son. It says Christ was faithful over God's house and we are his house. Now I want you to look at this scripture. Read it with me if you can. We are his house. If we hold on to our courage 
and the hope of which we boast. Which means we are not his house because we said a formula prayer. We are his house because we are holding on to the faith which was handed over to us by the mercy of God that we got born again. So when Jesus is an example of faithfulness to us, the Bible talks about two things that could happen to us. Hebrews 2 and verse 1. You all know that scripture. It says, you know, in Hebrews 2 and verse 1, it talks about, let us be careful lest we drift away. Two things that can happen to us. Let us pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard. Let's pay careful attention to what we heard. Now, careful attention is not listen carefully. It means give all your attention to. It's one thing to listen carefully to something. It is quite another thing to give careful attention. Give your entire life, your energy, your time, you know, your effort. Give that to what is heard. It says give careful because two things then happen, the Bible says. The first thing that can happen to our lives is that we can drift away. If we are negligent, first thing the Bible says, if you don't pay careful attention to this awesome great faith that has come into your life, the danger is that you can slowly drift away. Can you imagine that picture, a boat on a, on a, on a water body? And, and it, when we have a big storm, everybody pays careful attention. You have a storm that hits your life, oh, you're fasting, you're praying, you're, you're calling up the pastors, you're visiting, going for special meetings, deliverance meetings, inner healing meetings, all of that. So when there's a storm, it's easy to go for all of that. And we say, pastor, please pray. Please tell the church to pray. Please tell everybody to pray. Why? I need a deliverance. But, but the problem is, it's easy to pay attention when there's a storm in our life. Where is it that we don't pay attention when there's no storm? but there's a gentle wave. It just, it just hits you a little, little by little. You see, many, many are the stories of people that have been on the ocean body or been on rivers and, and they just went fishing and, and they strayed. The waves just took them away and they did not know that the waves took them away. They, they would usually need to put an anchor down. So that with the anchor going down and they'll be anchored to one place, they won't be drifting away. And this is why the Bible says that, that the Holy Spirit given to us, the confidence we have is an anchor for our soul. The salvation that we have, we've got to send our anchor down deep into the faith, deep into the, into the ocean bed so that we will be able, we will not drift away. One of the first things that can happen to a Christian is drift. Everybody said drift. You see, the problem with drifting is that when we drift, it's a very small, slow thing. But the second thing that can happen to us, and I'm going to look at both of them this morning. The second thing that can happen to a Christian is not just drift. The Bible says many will desert the faith. These are two things that can happen to a Christian. And the dangerous thing is we believe it cannot happen to us. And I'm going to talk about that from Scripture this morning. Amen. You see the two things, the first thing the Bible talks about, drift. If we are not consciously moving nearer to God, then we will unconsciously drift away from God. And when we drift away from God, we will be so busy with so many things in life that we just don't know that we drifted away. A, a, a boat that drifted away, they don't know that they drifted away. 
They didn't know that it happened to their life. You see, many, many of us are like boats on the ocean. And when we drift, if we're not rowing or if our, if our, if our, our motors are not pushing us, propelling us in a particular specific direction, every day of your life, if you don't wake up in the morning and you're saying, my goal is heaven, my eyes are set, my passion is Jesus, every day, if you are not propelling your faith that way, some way will come and turn you five degrees. And then you wouldn't know and and on that five degrees, you, you wouldn't, that morning, you wouldn't have heard from God to course correct. Oh, I got a shippy here. Five degrees can take you to another country, can't it? Man. Five degrees on a long journey can take you to another place altogether. And we ain't course correcting because we're slowly drifting, little by little, just drifting ashore. You can't stop rowing and expect to safely reach heaven. Now the problem is this. Problem is, there are so many preachers preaching so many teachings. And when we hear something or the other, we forget to ourselves pour through scripture. We forget to look at scripture. Paul tells us in Colossians 3 and verse 2, Paul says, set your mind on things above. James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you, which means there is our part of drawing near. There is our part of setting our hearts on things above. So there is our part and there is God's part. But when we don't do our part for whatever the reason, we begin to drift. There's a little wave that just knocked you. A little wave that takes you away. Because spiritual passivity will not take us to heaven. If we are really not spiritually engaged with some of the basics of the Christian life. What are some of the basics of Christian life? The Word of God, worship and prayer, being discipled, being part of fellowship, being part of fellowship, so when, and sharing the good news of Jesus to people, serving God. These are some basics of Christian life. And if we don't test ourselves, 2 Corinthians 13, 5, Paul writes to the Corinthians, and it's amazing when you study the scripture for all it's worth. Paul writes to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 13, 5. He says, test yourself to see if you are in the faith. Why would Paul need to write to the Corinthian church? Corinthian church for crying out loud. They had all the amazing gifts and the miracles and the healings and, and the church was growing and, and it was an economic bustling city, the Corinth. It's exciting. It's, you're, imagine you're in an economic capital, you got everything going well, everything's beautiful and Paul's writing to that church and saying, you guys need to test to see if you're still in the faith unless you've drifted away. Now that's the challenge that we have. Drifting is not easy. In fact, drifting is easy, I'm sorry. Drifting is easy. What do we need to do to drift? Nothing. Just do nothing. Just be offended and not love Jesus. Just be busy and not, not grow in the Lord. Just do your own thing and not walk with God. If you don't pay careful attention, say that after me, careful attention. You see, when a, when a goldsmith's making a gold ornament with intricate detailing, he gives careful attention. When a surgeon's doing a surgery, <laughs> how many of you would like a surgeon who's, <laughs> who's doing WhatsApp between the surgery? If you wouldn't do that, why would you do it to your soul? If you wouldn't play with someone's life 
if you're doing a surgery. If you wouldn't play with someone's life, why would you play with your own? I know this is a, in Christian circles, in culturally different answers are there. So what causes people to drift away? Why? Why would some people, what causes people to drift away? The first thing that causes somebody to drift away is just the current of time. We've been a Christian for a long while. Oh, we've been around, it's been 20 years now, 15 years. Or, you know, I asked somebody the other day, how, how long have you known Jesus? He says, from the time I'm born only I know Jesus. I said, oh, wow. <laughs> Unless he was conceived of the Holy Ghost and, you know, he was... Jesus coming back. I mean, from the time I'm born, born itself, I'm born again. Many people, they've been a Christian for a long time. We attend church. We've been singing about the promises of God and clapping and dancing and celebrating and all of that. It's great. We attend church. We read your Bible. We say our prayers. We've got a family prayer. But over a particular amount of time, times, seasons, months, years that go by, it becomes mechanical. <laughs> I had a friend of mine they were at a meeting. They were so tired one day after setting up a whole meeting. I mean, they were literally ministering somewhere. They were so tired. They just came back in the night. All of them looked at each other. But in the ministry, they were mandatory to pray together before they went to bed. So they all looked at each other. Everyone said, I'm tired. So even I'm tired. I'm tired. They all looked at each other. And they're serving God. So this guy, they say, you pray. So he looks at everybody. And this guy is a cheeky fellow, friendly guy. He looks at all of them, looks up. Winks at God and says, Lord, remember yesterday's prayer. <laughs> and he went to bed. I know that he did it. He's a friend of mine. <laughs> Paul says, let us not get tired. Oh, where you're doing good, Galatians 6, 9. Let's not get tired of doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not faint. Which means the harvest we get is for relentless pursuit without getting weary. Many of us, we get tired when we serve people, we love people, we go after people, we make a phone call, we encourage somebody, we prayed for somebody, we stood with somebody. After some time, we just get tired. We just get tired of serving God. We get tired of serving people. And then begins the questions come in our mind. Oh, I don't know if I should have. That was a waste of my time. And, and the waves begin to hit the boat little by little. Little by little, little by little, waves begin to hit the board. Sometimes it takes us time to come to maturity. And many believers throw in the towel on their journey to maturity. They say, I don't want this anymore. I remember a number of times in my life where I told the Lord, Lord, I cannot take this anymore. This is it. This is it. This is too hard, Lord. 1993, I almost said, this is it, Lord, I cannot. 1994, I told the Lord, Lord, I don't know why Christians are like this. You know, why are they so ungrateful? 1995, I almost gave up. In the year 2003, leadership was getting extremely hard. Many of you go through difficult times and somehow we think that pastors don't have the same challenges we have. We think pastors don't want to give up. Oh, of course. I mean, some, sometimes we're in a church and we think, oh, all these ungrateful people. What makes you think pastor doesn't think that? Hmm. Yeah. We all go through the same challenges. But then why do we stay? Because we tell ourselves, ah, don't drift. Don't drift. Keep your eyes focused on the cross. This was the message of Hebrews. 
What was the message of Hebrews? If you run through all the whole message of Hebrews in a simple word, the Hebrews message is saying, Jesus Christ, he's the son of God. He's saying, you didn't come to Jesus because of a miracle or a healing or a deliverance from a financial debt. Or you didn't come to Jesus because of something like that. You came to Jesus because he's the son of God. That's the reason we come to Jesus. We don't come to Jesus because Christianity is a fancy religion. In fact, I want you to know, if you really follow the Christian faith, there will be a price to pay. Oh, the world's ideologies don't like you. They're going to go for you. So Christianity, uh, the Christian faith is not about healing or deliverance or miracles. It's about Jesus is the Son of God. There is no other name by which a man shall be saved except by the name of Jesus Christ. So Hebrews is saying, all of Hebrews, if we put it together, because Jesus is the Son of God, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? And then he goes on to say, it was written to believing Jews. It was not written to unbelievers, it was written to believing Jews. And he was telling the believing Jews, you have sacrificed you have paid a price. You have been persecuted. You have stood for the Lord. And he's telling them, now I want you to hold on till the end. That's the message of Hebrews. Because Jesus is the son of God. And because you have held on till now. Endure till the end. And you will receive a reward. This is the message of Hebrews. So when, 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 we, when we don't focus on it properly. The currents of time, time passing by. Ephesian church, to the Ephesian church, Jesus said, nevertheless, I have this one thing against you, that you have abandoned your first love. Why would a church so amazing abandon their first love? This happens to us usually in our Christian life once we settle down. You know that portion of scripture where the Bible talks about, where Paul would not, you know, in, uh, in many portions of scripture, he talks about people just settle down with so many things in life that, just get them busy, that just get them busy. The second thing in life that makes us drift away, can you say that word drift? Just little by little, little by little. And the thing is, most of us don't believe that we can drift. And even if we do believe we can drift, we don't acknowledge that we have drifted. The second reason why a believer drifts is because of the currents of society and it's ideology and beliefs and it's rebellion that comes in our life. Christianity is no longer, no, no, let me not say Christianity. Following Christ is no longer acceptable to many of the world ideologies. Why? Because following Christ is against the common grain of world ideologies. Him, having him as king, forgiving, being kind, saying Jesus is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. You know, many people want to say Jesus is one of the ways, one of the truths, and one of the lives, so that we will go with world, we'll be politically correct. But listen, you can say all you want, and I can say all I want politically correct. He's one of that, he's one of that, he's one of that. But Jesus don't agree with us. The Bible says that Jesus said, I am the way. Amen. He said, I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes unto the Father Except through me. Oh, but we've got to polish our message so that, you know, we've got to polish our message yeah, so that it can be acceptable to people. We preach a gospel which is acceptable to people so that we ourselves will be acceptable to people. We tailor our gospel so that we can be acceptable. That becomes our need, not the gospel's need. We live in an age when political correctness is so important. It's certainly not with it if you are a Christian. They, you know, they would say that's not true. 
There's a risk of holding our life light under a bushel. Some of us, some of us believers, we hide it under a bushel. Some of our believers, we tailor the message to sound appealing. Some of us believers, we, 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 we find it difficult to disassociate from the world or from friends who call themselves a believer, but they seek to destroy their faith and our faith because we go with them, but they, 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 they want to just be accepted everywhere. On the contrary, following Christ is going to bring you is going to bring you challenges by people questioning why you follow Jesus Christ. Because that is not acceptable by the devil. How can we offer absolutes to a society when they do not want to receive any kind of absolute in their believing in God? It's so easy to be intimidated by people. We drift away because of currents of time, little by little, currents of society. The third reason we drift is because of the flesh and its lusts. We just love the flesh and its lusts. There's a war going on inside. Paul writes in 1 Peter 2, 11, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts that war against your soul. I want you to know, lusts, your lusts are not because they love you. The lusts are the desires of the flesh. They only want to destroy you. They only want to destroy everything that God has God planned for you. You can either, that's why the Bible says, he who follows the spirit and following the flesh, if he who's led by the spirit, they're the sons of God, they will find life and peace. But if you are led by the flesh, it is death, the Bible says. There's only one place that following our lusts will take us, and that is to spiritual death. It will drift us away, little by little, little by little. Oh, nobody loves me. Oh, nobody cares for me. Therefore, the first time somebody loved me, I'm going to go after them. Drifting, drifting from knowing the word of God. Galatians 5, 16, 17 says, This I say then, walk in the spirit. Say that after me. Walk in the spirit. Galatians 5. It says, walk in the spirit and he shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So the answer for not walking in the flesh is to what? Live by the Holy Ghost, which means every day we have to make a choice to be filled with the Holy Ghost. If we don't make that choice, we may not acknowledge it, but we are drifting. Oh, we're drifting. Or oh, we haven't left Jesus, we're just drifting. And when you, you didn't intend to leave Jesus, you just intended to be acceptable to everybody. The sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. You know what that means? The spirit inside you wants to obey God. The flesh inside you wants to deceive you. Your flesh wants to take you away. And when we do not exercise the spirit man, say that word after me, exercise. When you don't exercise the spirit man, you may not hate Jesus you may just love the flesh. And the Bible says that flesh, they are in contrary to a life in the spirit. It'll just take you away little by little. And many, many of us Christians, we don't acknowledge the drift. We don't acknowledge. You know, marriages don't break down in a day. They drift. Homes don't break down in a day. They drift. You don't fail an exam in a day. You drift. You go little by little, little by little. And who's doing that to you? The devil. Why? He wants to destroy you by making you believe third thing, different things. The fourth reason why people drift is just 
daily anxieties of life, just concerns, worries. I'm so worried about so many things, my job, my career, my children. Your children grew up, they're my grandchildren. <laughs> your children grew up, you're concerned that they grew up. Your grandchildren are small, you're concerned they didn't grow up. I mean, the problem is not growing up, the problem is you're concerned. Anxieties of life. You have a job, you're afraid you lose it. You lose the job, you're afraid if you'll get one. Anxiety, constant pressure makes us drift a bit. Constant pressure, worries, anxieties, duties, fears. Every day something or the other. The Bible says in Luke's Gospel 14, verse 16 or 24, it talks about a very popular story in the Bible. It talks about a man who one day, there was a, there was a man who one day, he invited some people to a wedding. A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. Go ahead, next verse. And, uh, okay. uh, and the dinner hour, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is ready now. But they all alike begin to make excuses. And the first one said, I have just bought a piece of land and I need to go out and look at it. You see, the king of glory is inviting people to the wedding banquet. But here is somebody saying, <clears throat> you know, I, I, I've just been in this real estate business and this new nice property has come. And I can make a little buck on this. And uh, I'm sorry, I'm not sure I can come to the evening service. How about the morning service? No, no, I'm not sure about the morning service. What about, your, you know, to the fasting prayer? No, oh, fasting prayer, you know, pastor, I think. Uh, thank you, nice meeting you. Uh, what about taking the kids to Sunday school? Yeah, we sleep late, we get up late. Uh, but we love Jesus. We love Jesus. If you took care of your business, the way you took care of your spiritual walk, you would have been in poverty by now. That is why if we don't give careful attention to our spiritual walk, we will miss the way. A five degree turn will take the ship on another direction. You know, Paul writes in Hebrews chapter 12, he says, don't let any bitter root among you. Some people are great at praising God or great at preaching the Bible. But a little bitterness, little, only a little, five degrees. Just, just one person, pastor. I can forgive everyone, but that one person, I will not. And the Bible says, you are neglecting your eternity. You're neglecting your walk with God. One person said, I just bought a property. I'm sorry, I cannot come. Another person said, well, pastor, thank you so much. But I just bought this new set of oxen, this tractor. You know, I've always wanted to do some farming and just bought that. I got to check it out, pastor. And some people say, well, you know, it's not that. I just got married. I've been dating this girl for six years now, pastor. And finally, we just got married. We're on the shoot. And they said, I, 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 I cannot come. I just got married, so I can't come. Because, because this person who I believe loves me is taking me away from the one who loved me and gave his life for me. I said, but anyway, a couple of years later, they'll come back. Pastor, you have any time? <laughs> Why? Because I need to talk about something really serious, my, you know, my marriage. I said, oh, I thought you cannot come. Uh, uh, many times when we, we will come anyway because once we realize that what we gave our time to would not guard our life. It wouldn't protect us. All this is true. And we drift away little by little, little by little. Some people don't drift. Uh, or some people after drifting, they take the next thing that happens to them. They desert the Lord. In the Bible, the word deserting 
is a very real thing. If you look in the Bible, many preachers, they say, well, nobody, you can't fall away from the faith. It's not possible to fall away from the faith. Take a look at this. Hebrews in chapter 3, verse 12, the Bible says, take care. Another translation says, take heed. Say, take heed. Now, what is Hebrews 3 saying? The book of Hebrews is such a powerful book. He's saying, brothers, he's not writing to unbelievers. He's writing to believers and saying, brothers, take heed. Take heed means give, give careful attention. <laughs> how, how is he t- asking you to take heed? Like you would cross a busy Indian road. <laughs> ah, or would you just go? No, you'll give, you'll give careful attention. Why? Because it's going to cost you your life. If you are so careful about your physical life that is going to be here for 60, 70, 80 years, how much more care should you and I give to eternity? How our eternity is going to be. We've got to give careful attention. Take care, brethren, that there not be any one of you an unbelieving, evil heart that falls away from the living God. First Timothy 4, verse 1 and 2. Is it possible for us to fall away? Is it possible for a Christian to fall away? I want to put a, put a rest to that today. Look at this, 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2. Now the Spirit expressly says in the latter times, come on, help me read it. What will happen? Some will what? How can you abandon the faith without having been in the faith? Which means I was in the faith, but I'm now abandoning it. It says in the last days, some will abandon the faith. But the problem is some preachers tell you once you're in Jesus, how can you be out of Jesus? Once you are in the faith, how can you be out of faith? That's what they ask. No, the Bible says you abandon the faith. It's possible for believers. And what do they do? They abandon the faith and they follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Hebrews 6 was 4 to 6. For in the case of those that have once been enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift, that is salvation, tasted the heavenly gift and have been partakers of the Holy Spirit, That means they have received the Holy Spirit. Yeah? Born again. Salvation. Received the Holy Spirit. Then what? And they have tasted the good word of God. They have received rhema from God. And they have, and they have, uh, and the powers of the age to come. And then have fallen away. It is impossible to renew them again to repentance since they again crucified themselves the Son of God, and put him to open shame. Now, many, many of these portions of Scripture, for some reason, people who preach a particular gospel, which is another gospel, which is not from God's Word, they avoid these Scriptures or they say things like, this Scripture was written to the unbelievers, or this Scripture was written to the Jews, or this Scripture, but it wasn't. If you would take time to read Hebrews cover to cover, just cover to cover, read it again, you will see Hebrews was written to born-again Christian Jewish believers. And the Bible goes on, if you read in chapter 9, chapter 10, he says, for you, you joyfully suffered for the Lord. My brethren, holy brethren, you know, he says, brethren, holy brethren, you who have been sanctified, or you who suffered, who you, your, your property was confiscated, and you, you know, you joyfully went through all of that. Uh, to them he's writing, take heed. Take heed that we don't lose the faith. So it is to sons. The Bible says in the last days, many will fall away from the faith. The disciples of Jesus also fell away. Peter said, Lord, everyone will fall, but not me. 
You're just going to watch how I'm going to stand, Lord. And the Lord, you know, he says, he tells Peter before the cock crows, you're going to fall away. And Jesus said to him, you will all fall away because it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Many, many claim, oh, we will not fall away. But how would we know whether we're drifting? And I want to especially speak, not just to the believers, I want to especially speak to my co-workers in the Lord, pastors, leaders. I want to speak to people in the ministry. Your ministry was a gift from God, not your ability. It was a gift of God given to you to serve God. And so if you're a pastor, or you're a preacher, or you're a teacher, or you know a few verses from here and there, I want you to know, the Bible says in the last days, even preachers are capable of teaching demonic heresies. And I want you to know that we can also drift. And today we're hearing so many people, preachers particularly, deserting the faith. And saying, oh well, I don't know if I want to follow this Jesus. Many will claim that I will. Peter said, even if everybody falls, you won't get me falling. I'm going to stand. And then one lady said, I've seen you somewhere. Who, me? <laughs> oh, uh, you're one of the Galileans. Not Galilean, no. The Bible says he starts cursing. I don't even know him. I don't know him. If that's not falling away, then what is? That is why, you know the Bible says, the Bible says that Peter denied him three times. When Jesus rose from the dead, it's beautiful. He tells Mary Magdalene, he tells, go tell the disciples, and Peter. Read the scripture, very beautiful. Go tell the disciples and Peter. What? That I've risen from the dead. Why? Because if a rabbi's disciples, if they denied the rabbi, they would cease to be a disciple of the rabbi. That's why Jesus said, go tell the disciples and Peter. How many times did he deny? Three times. That is why in John chapter 21, Jesus tells Peter, Peter, what do you have in your hand? He said, fish, bring it along. Bring what you got. When he brought it, Jesus is already barbecuing some fish, grilling something. He says, anyway, you have this, you keep that also. And then he says, Peter, do you love me? Oh, yes. Then feed my sheep. Do you love me? Yes, feed my sheep. Do you love me? Three times Peter denied him. Three times Jesus made him accept that he would love him so that God could reinstate him back as a disciple of the Lord Jesus. Oh, it'll never happen to me. See, this is the thing about the faith. And that is why Hebrews is written. I wish you could see this with me. First Timothy 4, 1 says, In the last days, many will fall, or some will fall from the faith, fall away, paying attention. I want you to turn to Hebrews, because I want to take you through a few scriptures here this morning. I want you just, we're just going to read some scripture. Is that okay? We're going to read that together. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 6. I want every one of us to read these scriptures together because let the word of God get into your heart. Let it get into your heart. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 6. For, but Christ, go ahead, is faithful as a son over, okay? We are his house if we hold on to our courage and the hope of which, what is the Bible saying? The Bible is saying the day you get saved, you are born again. But from that day onwards, he's saying, hold on to the confidence of your salvation 
till the day Christ calls you home or he returns. Hold on to it. He says your salvation began the day you're born again. Your salvation will be complete the day he calls you home. That's why he says you are his house. Tell me how many meanings this can have. You are his house if we hold on to our courage and the hope of which we boast. What does it mean? We are his house if we hold on. If we don't hold on. Okay, let's not conclude. Let me read on. Hebrews 3.12. Let the word of God sink in this morning. Hebrews 3.12. Come on. Go with me through the scriptures. Quickly, come on. Just move that there. Take care. Come on, read it. Come on, let's go. Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you. Hold it. Who's the brethren? Believer or unbeliever? Believers. He's writing to Jewish believers. And he says, take care, brethren, that there will not be any one of you an unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. He's saying, take heed, means watch over. Watch over, be careful. There's a, when you tell somebody's driving and you tell, hey, watch it, there's a road bumper coming there. And you slow down suddenly. He, he, he's warning you. That's the thing that he's believing. He's warning the believers. Look at verse 14. Verse 14. That's right, come on. For we have become partakers of Christ. Partake, we have become partakers of Christ. Believer or unbeliever? Is he writing to an unbeliever saying we have all become partakers of Christ? No. He's writing to a believer. For we have become partakers of Christ. Read on. If. Wait a minute. Which means we're going to partake everything that Christ has for us if we hold fast. From the beginning, of our, the beginning of our assurance, firm until the end. Look at verse 18. Verse 18, 19. And to whom did he swear that he would not enter his rest, but to those that were disobedient? 19. So we see that they were not able to enter. All right, Hebrews 4.1. Look at Hebrews 4.1. Verse after verse after verse after verse. Hebrews 4.1. Some of you might say, oh, but that doesn't mean that. That doesn't mean that. I'm telling you, these verses are specifically put up. Some of you might look at it and say, that doesn't actually mean that. I want you to read it cover to cover. Don't pull out scriptures in between. Read the context. Who is saying it? To whom they're saying it? What is the context in which they're saying it? Why are they saying it? What is the point they're trying to say? Read it cover to cover. Then read the chapter before. Read the chapter later. Then you'll understand what is the context in which it is. Hebrews 4.1. Come on, let's go. Therefore... Let us fear. Oh, wait, wait a minute. Why should a believer fear? I shall not fear. But Paul's writing, oh, the, the, the author of Hebrews, maybe Paul's disciple, is writing to the Christians, to the believers, and saying what? Let us fear. Fear what? If while, what? A promise remains of entering his rest, which means if you have the opportunity to live eternally with Jesus Christ, and entering his rest, which is by faith, walking in the faith of God, and entering. And so some people say they believe when they read the word walking in the faith, they immediately interpret it as accepting that Jesus is Lord. No, no, no. Walking in the faith is not accepting Jesus as Lord. You know what walking in the faith is? Hebrews explains it later. It is living like the great giants of faith in Hebrews 11. Well, like Joseph went to prison, he stood. David, he stood. Abraham, he didn't see the baby, but against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believe. 
And then he says, oh, there's no time to tell you about Jephthah and Barak and, and some women who got their husbands back from the dead and others who gave them up. All of them by faith. And he says, by faith, Moses. He says, did you hear about Moses? He, rather than enjoying the pleasures of Egypt, he gave up the, you know what he says? He says, oh, someday I'll touch on that. He gave up the treasures of Egypt. You know what that means? He exchanged walking with God for wealth. He said, get out wealth, I got to walk with God. When there was a choice to make between wealth and God, he chose God. And that is called faith. Not, no, 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 I believe, I believe Jesus died on the cross. Even the devil believes Jesus died on the cross. Come on now. Oh, come on. Let's say for fear. Fear what? That if a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you, what? May false seem to have come short of it. Go, look at that. Look at that. Look, go on, look at verse uh, 3. Verse 3. For we who have believed enter the rest, just as he said, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter the rest, although his works were finished from the foundations of the earth. Look at verse 6. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter, and those who formerly had the good news preached to them, failed to enter because of disobedience. Hebrews 4, 11. Therefore, let us be diligent. Who's us? It's the Jewish believers. Let us be diligent to enter the rest so that what? No one will fall through the following the same example of disobedience. So is it possible to fall? By following the same example of disobedience. Look at Hebrews 6, verse 6 to 8. All through Hebrews, all through Hebrews. Hebrews 6, 6 to 8. And then having fallen away. And then having fallen away. Which means after receiving the rain, after receiving the blessing. Then having fallen away. It is impossible to renew them again to repentance. Since they again crucify the Son of God and put Him to open shame. Which means it's after coming to Jesus, they backslid. They walked away. They fell away from the faith. I'm not talking about drifting. I'm talking about deserting. Verse 6, verse, uh, verse 8, verse 8. Oh, verse 8. But if it yields thorns and thistles. Now what is that? It's talking about in verse 7, if you get, keep getting rain, God is giving the rain to people so that they can produce fruit. And when they produce fruit, verse 7 says, when it is, they produce vegetation useful to those for whose sake it is also tilled receives a blessing from God, which means God is giving the rain, God is giving the blessing, you know, the, the land, God is giving so that we can produce fruit. And when we produce fruit, verse 7, stay on 7, when we produce fruit, the Bible says, we will receive what? A blessing from God. I thought all the blessings of God were already in Christ because of the finished work on the cross. Can you see when preachers preach one aspect of the gospel and won't tell you about a blessing that comes on your life as a result of fruit bearing? They tell you of the blessings as a result of Jesus' fruit he bore by being obedient till death. But what about the blessing that comes as a result of our fruit bearing because God is blessing us? Verse 8, but what are some of us producing? But if it produces thorns and thistles, it is worthless and close to being, what is close to being cursed? The land that God is pouring his rain on again and again and again. The land which is destined to produce blessing and fruit. And it ends up being burned. I'm not going to interpret that for you. I'm going to let other scriptures interpret that for you. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 28. There's an important verse. I want you to see this. Especially those of you who love the scriptures. Hebrews 9 28. So read together. So 
Christ also having been offered once to bear the sins of many, which means he came once and he died on the cross. That's done, right? He's dead on the cross. He rose again. For what? For the sins of the world. Now read on. He will appear, what? A second time. That's his second coming. For what? For salvation. I thought he appeared the first time for salvation. The Bible says he's going to appear a second time for salvation without reference to sin, which means he's not going to come the second time to die on the cross for sin again. He's coming the second time to take the saints that are holding on to that confidence and living for Jesus. He's coming back the second time to take the saints to go with him. And it's not in reference to die for sin again. It's in reference to complete the salvation that we have stepped into by believing in Jesus Christ. He's coming to take us home. That's what Hebrews is talking about in 928. And so many verses. Hebrews 10, 26, 27. Hebrews 10, 29. I have no time to get into this. Hebrews 10, 32 to 36. I mean verse after verse. Hebrews 10, 36 says, For you have need of endurance. Hebrews 10, 36. I want you to look at that. You have need of endurance. Why? Why? Why do we need endurance? Go on. So that... When you have done the will of God, you will receive. What if you don't do the will of God? What if you don't do the will of God? Are there conditions of obedience of coming to Christ? Yes, because many, many Christians are coming to Jesus as Savior. And they're not coming to Jesus to have Him as their Lord. Today we must decide, is He Savior or is He Lord? Again and again, worse after worse. Where's our Hebrews 12, 14? Hebrews 12, 14. Read that loud with me. What does it say? Pursue peace with all men. Not with some men, but with... Which means be at peace with everybody. Don't have enemies. Be at peace with everybody. Don't have enemies. God gives no permission for us to have enemies. Why? Because we don't represent Jesus if we have enemies. What about the ones that hurt us? Love them. Bless them. That's what God's asking. Pursue peace with all men. Now, this is the second part that I really want you to look at. What does it say? And sanctification. Why? Without which no one can. Who's supposed to pursue? We. He's saying pursue peace and you pursue sanctification without which no one can see the Lord. Why is he asking us to pursue sanctification? I thought the day we believed in Jesus, we are sanctified. The Bible says we are sanctified what we are being sanctified. Until when? Until he calls us home. By faith we are the righteousness of God in Christ. But by faith we are becoming the righteousness of God in Christ by our obedience to the faith. So there is something in God's word that continually tells us to walk with God. If this is the case, I want to close with then why? What are some of the reasons? Why people desert the faith. And this is so important. I want you to look at what, what are some of the reasons for which people are deserting the faith. Many people are deserting the faith for the first reason why people desert the faith is because of their unbelief. The reasons people desert the faith. One of the first reasons why people desert the faith is because of their unbelief. Which means they started believing in Jesus but after some time the Bible says people begin to speak in their hearts and ask them questions and, and put doubt, fear, and unbelief in their heart. The birds of the air come and take the word away. And they begin to have unbelief and they begin to 
And the Bible says that they fall away. Take care, brethren, that your unbelieving evil heart, that you don't fall away from the living God. Why do people struggle with unbelief that leads to disobedience? One of the first reasons why people fall away because of unbelief is because we don't train ourselves to walk with God. We don't train ourselves to walk with God. Many of us, we have no time. Time is a serious thing. No time for this, no time for that, no time for everything. Now, now listen, whatever we have time for is what we are giving careful attention to. But the problem is because we don't know how serious eternity is. We're not able to give careful attention. Many of us, we don't have time. We don't have discipleship. Some people don't disciple themselves. They come to church and that's about it. There's no discipleship, no walking with God. Some reasons people fall away because no church attendance. And I'll, I'll show you that from Hebrews 12. It talks about how many people are in the habit of not going to church as some are in the habit of doing. No church attendance. Some have no accountability, no training, no time, no discipleship, no church attendance. No accountability. When I say church, I don't just mean Sunday. I mean becoming, doing life together, being part of the family. Some people just fall away because of no prayer life. We don't, we, we're drifting away. And most of us don't think we're drifting. But if some have no word, word of God, no time to read God's word. Some have no godly friends. We have only ungodly people. Some have too much worldly information. People of God, look at this list. Look at this list for a minute. If any of this is in our life, you're drifting away. You're drifting away. And the next thing to drifting is deserting the faith. But because we love Jesus, we don't believe that we can drift. A second reason why people fall away is because of disobedience. They choose not to obey God because of disobedience. And we saw through that. The Bible says in Hebrews 4.11, Therefore let us be diligent to enter the rest so that no one will fall through the example of disobedience. A third reason why people follow. First one was unbelief. Second one was disobedience. Unbelief came through, no training, no walking, no word, no prayer, no nothing. The second reason is disobedience. The third reason why people fall away is because of persecution. When persecution comes on our life one after the other, oh, it begins to get really difficult. When our friends don't like us anymore. When the cost of following Jesus gets hard. The Bible says they have no root in themselves. An affliction, persecution arises because of the word, they immediately fall away. They immediately fall away. The fourth reason why people fall away, and I want you to listen to this importantly, is because of no leadership. Jesus said in Matthew's gospel 26, 33, you will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike down the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered. One of the ways of the enemies is to attack leadership, is to attack pastors or leaders or, or your, the husband of the home or the father of the house. If the devil can take the father away, he can get the children to fall away. By attacking leaders, no leadership or poor leadership. Another reason why a lot of people fall away is because of false teaching. The Bible says in 2 Peter 3, 17, look at this. You therefore, beloved, 
knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and you fall from your own steadfastness, which means people are going to bring lies, false teaching into your life. You will hear on this and that, and you'll hear a bit of that teaching, a little bit of this teaching, you'll put that together. And you know, do you know that the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, there are teachings we like to hear? Do you know that? The Bible says our ears are itching to hear what we like to hear. And he's saying, be warned of such people. We fall away. One of the reasons they'll desert the faith is because of false teaching. And finally, people desert the faith because of lusts and lawlessness. I just, I just love what I want and I really need what I want. Many will fall away. Matthew 24, verse 10 to 12 says, At that time, many will fall away from the faith. Many will fall away from the faith. You see, the Bible prophesies that in the last days, many will fall away. And our temptation is to constantly believe that can't be me. And I want you to know, it can't be any one of us. How if we don't pay careful attention to our salvation? If we don't pay careful attention to the salvation that God has called us for. Many will fall away. And the Bible says, and, and they will hate one another and they will betray one another. Many false prophets will arise. And will mislead many because lawlessness is increasing. Most people's love will grow cold. This is a prophecy about the last days. Love will grow cold, will betray one another, and many will fall away from the faith. People of God, I want to encourage you today. Hebrews in chapter 2. Today I talked about drifting and deserting. Are we drifting from the faith? And Do you know some people that have deserted the faith? Or are you positioning yourself to desert? Why? Because you haven't given yourself to exercising that faith in the Lord. You're not given yourself. You're not prepared. You know, some people, you know, if you're going to go to a different, difficult part of the world, you got to prepare. We have some friends that worked in some difficult parts of the world. And you, if you didn't prepare, you wouldn't be ready to handle when it comes there. Not just good, difficult part of the world. If you go into a prosperous part of the world, you've got to prepare. Because I want to tell you what, what persecution and poverty could not do to you, prosperity can. Prosperity can. In the difficult days, we called unto the Lord. And now we just got blessed and everything's going well. And, and now, you know, pastor, you know, <laughs> pray for me, pastor. I got a lot of work to do and and you're neglecting. People of God, I'm not here this morning to tell you God wants to send you to hell. God wants nobody to lose their, their salvation. I'm here to tell you, please don't neglect your salvation. You don't neglect your life. You don't neglect your life. Your life and eternity is too precious. I want you to look at someone sitting next to you and tell them you are very precious to God. Come on. You are so precious to God. Don't neglect your salvation. Don't neglect. Every eye closed in the presence of God. And this morning I'm speaking to precious saints of God. I'm speaking to the family of God. I'm speaking to believers. You are so precious to God that Jesus died on the cross for your sin and my sin. You are so precious to God that Jesus, that Jesus left heaven for you. Oh, 
You're so precious to God that Jesus, that Jesus would give would give everything away for you. He gave everything away. You're so precious to God. He's saying, don't neglect, don't neglect. Pay careful attention because you're so valuable. You're so valuable. And this day, if you have been, if you have been neglecting, you've been drifting, I want you to come right back. I want you to come right back to that precious salvation. I want you to give careful heed today. And I want you to pray with me right now. Lord Jesus, I commit my life to be giving careful heed to my salvation. I care not only about my present. I care about my eternity. And I want to spend eternity with you. And for which I want to give careful attention to my everyday life. So that I will not drift by the concerns of today. By the lusts of the life. By the worries of today. Or just time going by. Nor would I desert the faith. Because of false teaching. Or poor leadership. Or unbelief. Or lusts. That I would walk with you. The rest of my life. My life is so valuable. That you gave your own life for it. I want to say thank you Jesus. And I'm going to run till the end. Bringing great glory to you. In Jesus mighty name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons please do visit us at wicc.in.